Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is the show brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm, whether it's X Series or GFX, head on over to Fujilove.com and you'll be able to see some great articles on anything from gear reviews to sample photos to many other different stories. Go to Fujilove.com and get a look and read on all that kind of experience. I hope everybody is doing well right now. It is a very crazy time, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But this is during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we are still currently on lockdown here in the United States and everywhere around the world, really. Uh, I wish everybody is being healthy, uh, safe. I hope that everybody is doing fine. And it's 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 been a, a surreal experience. Um, I, I I really <laughs> the best I could say is I I wish I can. Uh, I I just want everybody to be doing well. And every time I I I, I don't know I I've been trying to do this for a, a few rounds right now. I've recorded this intro. <laughs> several times and every time I always fall on my words because I can't say enough. I feel that I can't say enough, but I I just hope everybody is doing well. And I guess but there's a great show for you today. I had the honor of speaking to Bill Fortney he is a Fujifilm ex-photographer here in the United States. And I interviewed him before this pandemic began. So this is pre-COVID interview. And things were delayed because of everything happening in the world. So different stories came up that I thought were pertinent to the, the podcast time. But now that things have been moving along, uh, I thought it would be great to listen to Bill's interview because he is just an amazing person. Not just an amazing photographer, but he is an amazing individual who has had such an amazing photography career. He is not only uh, a photographer of like every single genre of photography out there. He has done it all from uh, from photojournalism, magazines. Uh, he has done uh, medical photography. He has done uh, uh, space launch photography. He is just an, an amazing person who has experienced amazing times for anywhere from the civil rights movements, both the good and the bad side uh, as a photojournalist, he was, he was there capturing details for everybody to see. And he's been there for artistic photography. He has been there for tremendous feats of 
engineering and progress, like space shuttle launches. He is just a fountain of information, stories, you name it. He, I was very humbled interviewing him. So when you listen, I, I tend to try to edit my babbling, so to speak. But in this case, I just kind of left it there because he, he is an amazing person and he is a very kind person. And, and the stories, I mean, we only scratched the surface on stories and and so I, I'm presenting you the the interview with limited editing on my part. Uh, I usually try to make myself sound a little bit more coherent, but I'm leaving it in there. I, it, it's fine. Uh, get through my own babbledness, but listen to Bill. He is just an amazing individual. I am honored to have uh, interviewed him. And I can't wait to do it again uh, sometime in, in, in the future soon because his stories are just amazing, especially towards the end of the interview. There's a great NASA story that I think everybody would be interested in knowing. So hang in there. But in the midst of this crazy COVID crisis, uh, I, I hope that uh, Bill's voice can lend a, a calming entertainment for everybody to hear and enjoy so without further ado let's go to the interview bill how are you doing man i'm doing great awesome bill you are i gotta say uh you have quite the history you are not only an official fuji x photographer but you are Let's see if I got everything. Uh, You're a photographer in many, many fields. You are a writer. You are a pilot. You are like a really uh, sought after uh, professional speaker. Uh, Did I miss anything? (laughs) No, and if you believe all that, it's great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll go with it. Right on. But, uh, but I mean, from what I've been uh, doing my research on you, uh, you have uh, a lot of books. In fact, you're one of the best-selling photographers in America, uh, selling over, uh, in total, uh, over 150,000 books uh, of various subjects. And that's pretty good for photography. Yeah, it, it, uh, I've been really blessed. Um you know, if John Grissom has a book come out and it doesn't sell seven million, he's in trouble. But uh, for a photographer, if you can sell thirty or forty thousand of a book, it's a runaway bestseller, and and you're really pleased. Right. It's very different markets for very different people. <laughs> yes, um, it is. Yes, it is. All things being relative. But let's get into your photography. You have a great diverse portfolio and. Before we start the actual interview, I just want to share with everybody where they can check out your work so that they can look at your photography as well as listen to the interview. So where can sure. people find you online? Well, my website is billfortney.com, and uh, that'll take you to my blog and a number of other other things that I do, and there's a lot of my work there, and there's some some galleries so you can kind of get a idea of the different kind of things that I shoot. Right on. Do you have an Instagram? 
You know, I don't. Um, I'm probably a dinosaur, but I, <laughs> it's all I can do to keep up with the blogging and uh, doing the stuff I do for Fuji and teaching my own workshop. So It's all good, man. But everybody go check out Bill's, uh, Bill's website, and you get to see a, a ton of photography that is already in there. And you got an impressive gallery, I got to say. I absolutely love your landscape photography. The, it, the, the visuals, the color is just absolutely amazing. But more importantly, I love your Americana gallery. Just uh, tell me a little bit about where you're shooting in, in this gallery. Well, I, you know, I, I started as a newspaper photographer, a photojournalist. Yep. And then went on to do magazine photojournalism. And um, I was did a little, a little stand as a medical photographer, did open heart and neurological surgery photography. Oh, my god! And goodness. then ended up <laughs> uh, in nature photography, nature, landscape, close-up work, stuff like that. But I've always had... I've always pulled off to the side of the road when I see an old truck or an interesting barn. And um, as uh, the nature field got more and more crowded, uh, everybody in the world was doing it and teaching it. Um, I started doing some workshops related to um, just Americana. The TV show in America, America, um, American Pickers. Yes. Um, I, I know those two guys and go to their store in Nashville and uh, just got a great deal of interest in all kinds of stuff that is Americana. And so I, I do a lot of that kind of work just for the sheer joy of doing it. But it's turned out to be a good uh, a good jumping off point for teaching since a lot of other people have gotten into it too. Nice. And so a lot of these are just right off the side of the road. That's amazing. And you could tell uh, there's a lot of uh, things that are, looks like they're, they've, they've had better days sides of barns and and the such. That's pretty interesting. That's probably why I like it, because I've had better days myself. <laughs> but uh, I just I enjoy anything that points to our heritage and our history. And um, and um, I love rust. The other, the photographer that probably had the most impact on the way I shoot is Jay Mazel, uh, the New York photographer. And Jay has always been a master of color and making uh, photographs where the color just really smacks you in the face. Yeah. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of cool Americana subjects where the color is a, a big part of it. And it just kind of led me that direction. I see that, especially in uh, the, the photographs of uh, the sides of buildings. There is a lot of deep, rich color. Uh, the one that stands out the most is probably the American flag next to the little ventilation window. It is such a simple photo, but it is rich in detail and just absolutely rich in color. And it's not overwhelming or annoying or anything like that. It's very inviting. Um, and, and red is a difficult subject to photograph. Well, and you know, the Fuji camera system... Uh, they have such a wonderful way with color. Yeah. And as soon as uh, I've been, a, I've been a lifelong uh, 43 years of Nikon shooting. In fact, I was a Nikon professional services tech rep the last 11 years of my working career uh, representing Nikon. And I had shoulder surgery and just could not carry full frame cameras and lenses around anymore. And I 
slipped off at one of the photo shows and bought a little uh, the little Fuji X10, one of the really first little cameras. Yep. And I enjoyed it so much, and I got such great work out of it. Um, before I left Nikon, actually, I owned several Fuji bodies and a handful of lenses, and I was already, you know, going to go that direction after I retired. And um, but I just love the system. I, I love the company, and I love the way they treat their customers. Um, yeah. But I just love the color. The color is really amazing. So hold that thought. We're going to put a pin in that, and let's go right back to the very beginning. Um, okay. Where where did the love of photography start? Like, I really uh, love that you have such a wide experience in, in various different subjects. Where did your love of photography begin, and what drew you into photography? What was the subject that got you in? Well, you know, the true story... Uh, when I graduated from college, which was a long, long time ago, um, I started teaching high school. I was a high school teacher, and I was a football coach. I'm a big football fan. And um, if if you coached back then, you had to take the freshman team your first year and kind of prove yourself, and then you got to move up to the to the varsity squad. And I was the freshman coach at a high school that is now closed. It's no longer they built a new high school. But our teams have a record that will never be broken because the school closed and nobody broke it before the school <laughs> closed. My freshman team and my first year of coaching not only didn't win a game, we didn't score in an entire season. And I think during that time, I thought I better find a hobby that doesn't have anything to do with photography, with, uh, <laughs> with football. <laughs> and I went and bought a camera. I'd always liked photography. You know, always had uh, you know point and shoot type little cameras. But um, honestly, that's how it started, and I just fell in love with it. I spent all of my time that I wasn't teaching studying photography, and you know, built a little dark room and learned to develop. And that was it. That was the end of it. And this last year, I celebrated my 50th year of being a full-time working photographer. Wow. And what was and, your first so, uh, first camera? First first real camera that I got was a Nikromat FTN, an old, uh, old Nikon Nikromat, and bought a few Nikon lenses, and, and, and actually did shoot Nikon and Nikon glass all the way up until I made the switch over to Fuji. Yeah. And so... During the years, like when when you got bitten by the photography bug, uh, what was your first professional assignment? Like, I mean, so you were dabbling with photography back then, had the darkroom, but where did you go from there? Like, what was your first assignment? Well, when I left teaching, um, I went to the local newspaper and I asked them, of course, in, in, in Kentucky where I was living, Teachers didn't get paid in the summer, so you had to get a summer job. Yeah. And I went to the local paper, and I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to be your photographer for the summer. And the editor said, well, we don't need a photographer. You know, all of our people have a small camera, and they shoot their own pictures. And I said, well, look, I'm, you know, I'll work for free. Just give me a chance to do it. And then at the end of the summer, if you're not happy or you don't think it was worthwhile, then I'll part company with no hard feelings. And the guy said, well, I'm not going to let you do that. I'll pay you, but i just got to tell you, at the end of the summer, you're not, you're going to be going back to teaching. Well, about three weeks later, he came 
and said, you know, um, we'd like to put you on full-time. Um, and so I did that for several years. I was an AP rep, um, actually won a Pulitzer uh, during that time. Uh, but I really hated photojournalism. I hated always being in the middle of everyone's worst possible day. Yeah. And the, it, it just, I was not, uh, I was not built to take that. And uh, so I decided to leave it. And I went into some public relations photography for some of the local mining companies. And that really kind of got me started. Um, uh, a lot of great things happened. I, I got to do a lot of really interesting assignments. And before I knew it, um, I was off to the races. Wow. That's you want a Pulitzer. That's pretty amazing, too. That wasn't in your bio. <laughs> well, you know, i tell you why it's not in there. And I'll make this quick. But um, I had a really dear friend that worked for the Louisville Courier Journal, which was a, was at the time one of the great photog- uh, photographic papers in America. And we were at a Ku Klux Klan rally photographing these Ku Klux Klan guys, you know, in a circle around a cross. What year is he this? Was about Just to give context tall, to people. And I'm about five eight and a half, five nine, and uh, we were both shooting Nikon's with a 24 millimeter lens bullshitting triacs yeah well the cross burned burned through at the bottom and the cross started to fall it started to fall towards us but it it was a gigantic cross but we were far enough back it was not going to hit us but at the moment it started to fall all these guys in their sheets started running from the cross (laughs) and we both we both raised our camera and i heard his fire at the exact same moment that mine fired and so essentially same lens same camera we got identical photographs i went back to my paper i was an ap rep i moved mine on the wire and he took his back and put it in their paper well a few months later that paper won the pulitzer for their coverage of all of that stuff and uh, i was real happy for him he's a great guy and he deserved it but a few weeks later i got a phone call from the director of photography of that paper and he said bill we need to ask you a question i said what's that he said what do you want done with your portion of the pulitzer and I said, what are you talking about? I, I haven't won a Pulitzer. And he said, well, actually, you did. Your picture got mixed up with our photographers, and yours is the one that went in the portfolio. And it was a pretty major part of the portfolio. It was the picture that we agreed. His shot and your shot both were marvelous, but yours is the one that was in there. Yeah. And so I told him, I said, did you tell the other photographer? And he said, no, I was going to wait till we talked. And I said, you know, why don't we – I said, I'm – out of, I'm going to get out of photojournalism. I've had it with it. I said, it won't mean a thing to me uh, for, to be able to say that. Let's just keep it our secret. Right and on. we did for almost 30 years. And later, I ran into the two of them at a meeting, and they came over and said, we sure wish you'd feel free to tell people that you, because you legitimately were one of a number of photographers that won a Pulitzer. And, and uh, I said, well, I may tell a few friends. And mention it to some people, but I'm not going to put it in my resume. I'm not trying to get a job anymore, and it wouldn't have anything to do with the kind of work I do now. I hear you. But that's kind of, kind of how it happened. So just to give us some context, because the, uh, what what year is this that you, that you had to cover a Klan a rally? Cause this that's... was in the early 70s. Yeah. It was when, it was when there was a busing had started in our region, and there was, you know, unfortunately, there were some people who were uh, opposed to it. And 
as newspaper photographers, it was our job to get out and cover that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, it was uh, it was scary, to be honest. I mean, uh, I'll bet none of those people threatened us in any way, but just to see people that were had that much hate was a, a scary thing. And uh, I, um, I'll never forget that cross coming down and coming towards us. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean. I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, of course, I mean, we, nowadays there there are so many other issues that we're we're concerned with. But wow, it's it, that that is something that uh, just it's I I don't have any words for it. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, you know, one of the of course I. Um... Yeah, earlier when you said that, uh, of course, you never shot Kodachrome, and unfortunately, because I'm 74 years old now, I've done a lot of things that happened before you were in the scene. Yeah. Um, but I've had a had an incredible career with the opportunity to experience a lot of things that uh, that you know because just because of the time that you spent in the career. Yes. And it, it's it's been really good to me. Met a lot of great photographers who are dear friends and taught with a lot of great uh, nature photographers, people that were super famous 25 years ago, and very few people even remember them now. But but it was just a, it's been a great experience. I've been really blessed to get to do this. And it's, the, the, the people have really been as big a part of the fun of being a photographer for me as as any of the rest of it. Yeah, it, it just it really shows in your photography. Just the just the sheer amount of diversity just shows such a very fascinating life. And so let's talk a little bit about gear. Uh, go go back to that. You were a lifelong Nikon shooter, and then went into Fujifilm. Uh, and you mentioned right. that it's. Uh, the ease of use, the the color science behind Fuji. Uh, where, what, what kind of professional work did you do with Fuji? And how has well, that course, changed, like your well, style? By the, by, yeah, by the time I left Nikon, um, which was in 2013, I retired from Nikon. And at that point, the only thing professionally that I've been doing, principally, is um, doing stuff for Fuji. I go out and appear for them and speak and do things. And spoken at some of their national sales meetings and stuff. But um, I do teach workshops with a gentleman out on the West Coast, Jack Graham, and then I do some on my own. And um, and, and because there is now a, a pretty large contingency of people in the nature travel outdoor field that have become Fuji shooters, Fuji's really got a strong hold in that in that area. Um, that's principally what I've been doing. I, I I rarely do anything for money anymore. I do underground mining photography when I'm asked to do it, and I set my day rate at $2,500 a day so that people wouldn't ask me to because I <laughs> just don't like doing it. I uh, can imagine. But when they do ask and say they want a couple of days, you can't hardly turn it down. So Yeah. I hear you. And... How did Fuji find you with uh, to, to to be a representative? Well, you know, I I'd, I'd, I'd gone and bought all this Fuji stuff, and um, early on there was a lady who was at that time the marketing director for Fuji. This has been way back at the very beginning when the X100 came out and the 
in the first XE XE camera. Um, yeah. And and I met her at some of the photo shows because I was there for Nikon, but I went over and she and I talked, and um, she was very kind to me, and she said I I would love for you to be shooting our stuff, and she said why don't you know why don't you let me know what you need and I'll see if I can't try to help you out uh, with some discounts, which she did, and uh, then as soon as I'd left Nikon and was there was no you know there was no harm no foul. Uh, she started using my images at shows, and then uh, uh, shortly after that, I was asked to speak to the national sales meeting in out in uh, it was in U- in Arizona. Yeah, and it was just a real good meeting. Everybody had a good time, and uh, I basically used it to thank them for building this camera that was changing my career, um, and uh, just made a whole, a whole lot of friends with the company and was asked to become an ex-photographer and uh, along with Jack the guy that I teach with so um, it's it's been it's been a great ride and I'm still enjoying doing it it's a lot of fun oh I'll bet so with the Fuji system I gotta ask uh, I asked this with everybody uh, what's your favorite camera and well um, right now um, I, in fact I just sold three bodies because they were uh, one or two models old Um but I'm currently carrying a um, XH1 and an XT3. Of course, I'm I have an XT4 coming as soon as the production cameras are available. I've been promised one. Yeah. Um, and I've I have an X100V that I got to test for them, and I liked it so much. I said, you know, don't don't bother to ask for it back. I'll send you some money or something. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I. I really do like the X-H1 because of the IBIS, and none of the other cameras had IBIS until the X-T4 was announced. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see how that works. I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, and I like the X-T3, um, uh, and I shoot an awful lot of stuff off of a tripod, but the more I do this in a relaxed fashion, I find myself shooting handheld more. And boy, the IBIS comes in handy. When you're 74 years old, you need something steady as much as you can, and it really does. It works fantastic. So yeah, awesome. And with your professional work, do you shoot raw or do you go with any of the Fuji film simulations with the JPEG? Well, th- this is where you're probably going to say thanks for doing this, Bill, and hang up because no, no, no. it. <laughs> I, I get real tickled when I go out and speak. Every talk at some point, I get the question, do you shoot raw? And I have never shot raw. I shoot JPEG 100% of the time. Um, and it's very simple. The JPEGs coming out of the Fuji camera are spectacular. I've made prints up to four by six feet regularly with yeah. JPEGs. And I have no no trouble at all. And if you can get white balance correct, and if your exposure is very, very close, then there, that takes away the biggest advantages to shooting raw. I know there's more color information and stuff, but uh, no one ever looks at my four or six prints and says, boy, the color just doesn't seem right. Uh, <laughs> uh, the JPEGs are more than capable of doing that. and so. Do you have a favorite film stem? Well, what I do is I shoot the three film simulations every time I push the shutter release. And I shoot a Velvia, a Provia, and then I shoot an Acris with a red filter. Nice. And I do change occasionally if it's a certain kind of subject. But 
I've found that 99% of what I shoot, uh, something in there is going to be what pleases me and works, and and I don't have to go in. And I don't I don't do a, a ton of posts, a little little bit of sharpening for use. And um, but in the old days, I used to have to add a little bit of saturation. But with the Velvia, you don't have to do that. Yep. And if you're getting your white balance right, you don't have to do a lot of correction there. Uh, so I try to keep my post work uh, as simple as possible. And also, when I'm out working, I have to shoot, and I show stuff often the same day I shot it. And it's just easier to not have to go in and spend hours trying to get things right. I try to get it right in the camera if I can. I'm like Absolutely. everybody else. I'm, I mess them up every once in a while, but but for the most part, um, I don't have a lot of trouble with that. That's very awesome. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. With uh, b- prior to being introduced to the Fuji system, I was uh, I was always a raw shooter with my Canons. But come Fuji, uh, I, I I never shot raw. In fact, I thought the Raw files were always cumbersome with Lightroom, which I'm not alone in that <laughs> that uh, thought. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've, the old joke is that uh, Raw is a religion and JPEG's a cult. And I mean, <laughs> I never heard that. People before. get they get religious about it, and they they start thinking that man, if you're not doing it the way the uh, general public says you should do it, there's something wrong with you. And I have fun doing a program and at the end of the program have someone and someone always says, man, I, I love the way your images look. I mean, are you doing a lot of posts? And I'll say, well, very little, to be honest. That's what, if you set your camera up right in the first place um, and you know what you're doing, which if you've been doing it 50 years and you don't know, you should take up golf. Um, <laughs> then, you know, you're really not going to have to have all of the stuff you can do in raw. Um, if, and I understand that when people are first starting and they really don't know a lot about the craft, it's it's a great way to protect yourself from a lot of bad mistakes. But you don't want to ever get to where you just rely on post uh, to fix things. I think a real craftsman is someone that that tries their best to learn the craft so that they know what they're doing and they normally get it right. Because a lot of things that happen that you want to photograph happen quickly and they don't, it doesn't give you the time to be futzing around trying to figure it out. So the more you can be um, skilled at it and the more craft you can develop, uh, the more often you're going to make a great image or a really good image in the midst of a lot of pressure. And that should be the goal for all of us to get as good at this as we can get. I think we owe the craft that much. Yeah. And throughout the throughout your years of uh, photography, what was your favorite subject that that you got to photograph? Well, when I worked for Nikon, I was the I was one of the people that was the liaison with NASA, and I did a several a number of shuttle launches. And because I was a pilot, I did an awful lot of photography at air shows, the Reno Air Races, and some of the big air shows. Yeah, and I love I. To this day, I still really think airplanes are a form of art. Absolutely. So I love to photograph them, you know, statically sitting on the ground in early morning light, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so I enjoy that because I have a personal interest in it. I tell my students all the time that it, if you want to get really good at photographing anything, 
photograph something that you have a real interest in. If you're interested in it, then you're going to you're going to spend more time getting really good at relating to that subject because you have a, 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 a uh, you know you're not it, it's something you're interested in and you'll you'll see it more successfully. Um, I can't photograph flowers. I think they're beautiful. I buy them for my wife, mm-hmm. but um, I you know. I just there should be an injunction against me being close to a flower in a national park because <laughs> my flower photography sucks. I, but but I have no affinity for flowers, yeah. and so I just don't fool with them. I shoot things that interest me. I hear you, man. And your shuttle photography—you have one that's on your uh, website, and it is just absolutely gorgeous. You must have been. God, I, I I don't even know what kind of lens you were using to because you. Well, that was clothes. actually shot with a four hundred millimeter lens. Yeah, and a one four converter uh, off a tripod. We were two miles. That's at the VIP site, right? And we were two miles away, but um, that's as close as you can be. Uh, we had remote cameras up close that fired automatically, but you can't. They, it's dangerous to be up oh, close yeah. to the launch pad. So. But it's absolutely amazing. This was back in the film days, right? It is. It certainly is. That's a film shot. That is just beautiful. And, I mean, everybody should check this out. It is under the aviation section. And it is just this perfect... It's a perfect launch of the shuttle. And the brightness isn't overwhelming from the from the flames coming out of the rocket. Um you know, uh, I, it's really funny. We, we took some people down there that had never shot a launch, and somebody asked me, said, you know, how do you calculate exposure? And I said, this is what the exposure is. And he said, well, what do you mean? What, what about night launches? I said, hey, at night it makes its own light. So yes. it's the same exposure. <laughs> same exposure. Um, it, the light that is generated by the liftoff itself. So intense. Uh, once you know that exposure, you know, yep. you pick uh, whatever shutter speed you need and uh, – and when it first starts up, it's not moving very fast. It gets really fast when it gets up above the gantry, but when it's first coming up, it kind of lifts off kind of slow, so it's not hard to do. Yeah. It is... Uh, it, it's it's amazing. Uh, one of my bucket lists is to to photograph... Uh, I mean, I guess in, in our day and age, it's going to have to be rocket launches, SpaceX or Blue Origin or whoever gets to uh launch from cape canaveral but uh yeah that's that's on my bucket list to be able to at least witness it and then photographing it would be awesome too i tell you what's really interesting when it lifts off of course remember that it's uh, it's a couple of miles away yes and you see the smoke come out and of course you know that the jet engines are firing but you don't hear anything yes and there's a lake between you and there and you see the sound wave coming across the lake yep and when it hits you it's like somebody put a vibrator on your chest and you think you're having a heart attack the first time you do it because it just it's so massively uh, vibrating you and i'll tell you there's a big american flag there and you'll never feel as patriotic as watching that thing rise up through the sky and uh with the sound wave uh, the pulse come and when the rocket turns out towards the ocean which it does then that uh impact of the uh the pulse from the engines hits you too and it's 
it's an amazing experience. It's unlike anything else I've ever done. Oh, that's incredible. That just makes me wish I got to be down there sooner. <laughs> I, I feel very fortunate to have gotten to have done it. And I got, I had the chance to help train a few of the astronauts in using our knock-on cameras. Oh, and, really? Or you talk about, yeah, you talk about smart people. Uh, I tell my students how to do something, and I have to explain it three times. You tell an astronaut how to do something, and they've got it. Um, they could teach it the next day. They're really, really sharp at that kind of stuff and really inquisitive, and, and most of them became really, really good photographers in a scientific way um, so that when they were up in the shuttle and, and then up in the space station, they were able to make incredible photographs. And the people in the space station, I think it's all Nikon right now, right? Yeah, as far as I know, Hasselblad was in almost all of the early flights. Yeah. And then then uh, Nikon has, I, but there's been a Nikon camera on every space flight uh, since the beginning of the program. We'll get them eventually. I'll tell you a story <laughs> that you can, that people will enjoy. Um, I've got a dear friend who's passed away now, a guy named Hugh Morton that owned Grandfather Mountain down in North Carolina. And yeah. he had uh, one night, uh, a lot of famous people visited him. And he had, um, uh, I was trying to think, I, th I think it was uh, Buzz Aldrin that visited him at his house in North Carolina. And he asked him, he said, uh, I've got a picture of the Earthrise over the moon. Could, could you sign that for me? And he said, I'd be happy to. He said, I'll come down to your office tomorrow and do it. And while he was signing it, he said, I'm going to tell you something that very few people know, because this has turned out to be one of the most famous photographs of all time, mm -hmm. the impact of that image. But he said, we were circling the moon, and we've been given orders to use the Hasselblad for no purpose but to photograph landing, potential landing sites. They said, don't waste a single frame. And I looked out the porthole and saw the earth rising over the moon. And I tapped the science officer on the shoulder and said, take a picture of that. And he shook his head, no, I can't. So I jerked the Hasselblad out of his hands, leaned down and shot that photograph <laughs> and then handed it back to him. So one one of the most impactful photographs that would have ever been made was made because somebody broke protocol and orders and, and just did it. That's just amazing. A, but I think that's an, an amazing story. If you think about the importance of that photograph to, to all of us, it was a vision, you know, something I guess we thought we would never see. And, and that guy, made sure the photograph got made. It's pretty, pretty cool. That is an amazing story. I had no idea. And uh, very few people do. That's a story that uh, other than people that have seen me teach and lecture and show and mention that. Uh, but, you know, it's just something that never got talked about. But it's, it's the way it, it's the way it happened. Amazing. Bill. I, I wish I had more time to talk to you. Uh, this is you, you have such a amazing history with your photography. You are extremely knowledgeable, and, and we, I feel that we've only scratched the surface uh, surface of your uh, photography experience. Parting. We'll thoughts. do it again. We'll definitely days. do it again. Uh, parting thoughts on anybody who's getting into photography or. Uh, is currently in photography, you know, what would you like people to take from uh, your experience with, uh, with the craft? Well, just have fun doing it. Um, so many photographers get so wired about becoming great uh, 
and worrying about how their work compares to other people. I see this a lot. And, and I just tell people, take a deep breath, enjoy it, have fun with it. Um, don't worry about that. If you became the greatest photographer in the world, it would last about 15 minutes before somebody jumped over the top of you. So why <laughs> even worry about something like that? Get as good as you can get. Do it for the sheer love of it. Enjoy it. And then you'll get the most out of it. Um, and don't worry about what other people think of your work. Um, you know, some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. And that's, you know, just learn to live with that and um, enjoy enjoy the process. Don't don't let it drive you crazy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill. And again, for those of you who uh, would like to see more of his work, go to billfortney.com for more information. You get to check out his ebooks, his photo galleries, and so much more. Uh, go ahead and check that out. Bill, thank you for being on the show, and we'll definitely talk soon. Absolutely. And you take care of that puppy that you've got coming, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Bill Fortney for the interview. Uh, taking the time to chat with us, and I highly recommend everybody check out his work. Super fun guy to talk to. Just so rich in his, the the history behind his photography, as well as just amazing stories behind every every image that he's captured. And so, I highly recommend everybody check out his work. That's all for this week. Again, I wish everybody to to be well, to be healthy, and I, I, I truly hope everybody is in a safe place. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time.